G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to turn our attention today to the aspirations of Christian parents to raise godly children with a special focus today on boys. As parents, we want the best possible future for our children to follow Christ, to honour God, to get a great career, to marry, to raise their own families. And in all of that, we tend to want them to avoid pain and not make some of the big mistakes that we might identify from our own life journey. Well, our special guest today is a pastor and the father of four young men. We may get to talk about uh, how we balance, release or contain the wild heart of manhood to learn to fight a cause to have a heart for adventure and to appreciate God's purpose for our lives. Our special guest this hour, Pastor Scott Hansey, is the lead pastor at Awaken Church in Wollongong and in Canberra. He's one of the guest speakers at the upcoming Men's Leadership Summit at Stanwell Tops Conference Centre in New South Wales at the end of this month. Pastor Scott Hansey, a special welcome along to 2020. It's great to be here, Neil. Thank you for having me. What an honour. Hey, we're going to talk about boys raising young men. Uh, Scott, you and Rachel, your wife, you've been married more than 30 years now and you've got four sons. Uh, Things are, you know, you've got the sort of family that we need to talk to when we're talking about raising boys. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've just just recently had two granddaughters, uh, which is... All new, so I'm glad I'm not talking about girls today. Uh, I definitely know. I definitely have more experience on the end of the male end, so uh, that's great. You know, I did a little bit of research before our conversation today, and I happened to find a podcast featuring your son Caleb, and right. he was talking about you. He said oh. he was born into an amazing family, and he says. I would take a bullet for my dad. Now, wow. now I don't know how that makes you feel, but uh, but I was inspired. And when we talk about the relationship between fathers and sons, in some sense, uh, Scott, that's the sort of son that we'd all like to raise, wouldn't we? Uh, the sort of son who would be loyal to our family, to talk about our family as being amazing. And, uh, you know, anyway... You know your son's better than uh, than anyone, but uh, but I'm just letting you know that's what uh, your son Caleb said about you. Wow, well that's fantastic. Look, and I, and I want to from the outset, Neil, just you know, for those who are listening, know that you know I'm not coming as one who has done everything perfectly and uh, you know without error in any way. But uh, look, I do think I've gained some wisdom along the journey, particularly with raising uh, men, boys to men. Um, and knowing, you know, the differences and how to how to manage those differences. So hopefully I can encourage some listeners today. I think our listeners will appreciate a level of humility like that that says we don't get everything right. In fact, we've got our own burdens and challenges and there's been weaknesses, there's been things 
that we've made as mistakes in our own journey of parenting, but we do like to be able to apply some great wisdom where we can. And let's talk about parents for a few moments. We'll get into sons, but Scott, parents sometimes, no doubt, they feel afraid to talk about faith with their own children because this is a big dimension that we have as Christian parents. What are your thoughts about being fearful of talking to your kids about faith? Well, look, I had the privilege of being a youth pastor early on or a youth leader early on, which really, before having children, did teach me a lot. Um, to be honest, and I, the, what I learned from that was uh, a number of things. One was, you know, often parents would come to me and say, my, my son particularly will not talk to me, he's 12 years of age, he doesn't open up, uh, and I realised that, you know, that was based on the fact that there hadn't been relationship built prior to that, and so I really felt firstly relationship, you know, needed to begin right from the very beginning as a father that I needed to be in their world, part of their world and and a model of that. And so uh, things like praying for, you know, your, your sons before they go to sleep each night, making sure I was home to do that the best I could. Um, those small spiritual activities to begin with which then, you know, allowed that uh, relationship to develop and grow. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a motto, making the supernatural natural. And, uh, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualise everything in their world, but I want them by, by all means to know that Jesus is at the centre of, you know, what, our family and what we do. So uh, that's been my goal. So those routines that you might put in place when your children are little, actually pay a dividend later on when it comes to talking about spiritual things, things like praying with your kids before bed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look, you know, a lot of people claim that wonderful proverb, you know, you raise your child in the ways of the Lord and they shall not depart from it. Um, but often they haven't raised their their child in the ways. And, um, you know, that's not always the case. And I just want to put that in as a note that I have seen, of course, you know, people have done a great job with their children and then at the end of the day there is a free will choice that we all have. But often, you know, parents will quote that scripture but not have anything in place where they are raising their boys, let's talk about boys, uh, in a spiritual context. And I think that's you know, something we need to look at. Raising your children in the ways of the Lord. And that might even be a way that listeners might be able to participate in a conversation like this today because some will say, what's the bare minimum? And some might be into sort of an overkill situation, but what's a good balance in all of that? Scott, let me ask you, because when we talk about raising boys, our immediate thought goes to fathers and their relationship with their sons but there will be people listening to us single parents mothers raising sons and so when we talk about uh, the thought of parents and fathers raising boys uh, there are all sorts of different family makeups today and I don't want to leave those sorts of single parents and particularly single mums out of a conversation like this but there is just a little extra dimension that is necessary if you are a single mother raising boys. Any thoughts here? Yeah, that's a great point, Neil. And look, I firstly want to have a shout out to all those single mothers. Uh, I believe you're true heroes. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's an incredible, difficult task. I obviously, being a local church pastor, have seen that on numbers of occasions. And uh, so, you know, mighty women who attempt to do the best they can. I think what I've seen is, the successful, if that's the right word, uh, single mothers who have been able to do that with their boys, 
have been ones that have allowed uh, good godly model men uh, to come into their world uh, with obviously appropriate boundaries, but to come into their world and to influence them, to position them in a place where that happens. And look, church community is, is just that very thing that, you know, we look at the word, we see that generations are part of God's plan and we are a family. So uh, I would encourage them to bring in, you know, even grandparents, finding older folk within the life of a local church and allowing them to have connections. So, yeah, they definitely a need in today's world. And listeners will know that I'm a champion of that idea too, that the local church fills an awful lot of needs in raising your family, especially around those male role models that your boys are going to need. Hey, let me just take you into a little bit of uh, thoughts about your own personal history because I know you well enough, Scott, to know that you have the most incredible story around your own upbringing. And while we talk about mums and dads, uh, you were in an adoptive situation in your own upbringing. I wonder if you can share a few thoughts for for us uh, just in a nutshell about your own uh, family environment as you grew up. Yeah, well, I do have quite a story which would go well beyond our time frame. But, um, uh, yeah, so basically at six weeks of age I was adopted uh, out to a Hungarian father and a Scottish mother, uh, which is an interesting combination. And, um, you know, it was raised in that setting. It wasn't a Christian family, um, wonderful people, and, uh, you know, and they're my mother and father as far as I'm concerned. But in the process, laws changed. And uh, when I was around 20, 19, 20 years of age, I was able to connect and that's a story in itself, but connect with my natural parents. And uh, and so we have a, a relationship, um, not mother and father, I would say, but a, a, a deep respect for them and, um, and uh, yeah, have led both of them to Christ. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey. Uh, look, I think I've learned a lot from watching my father, uh, who did, and I had to come to terms with this, who did the best he could. And I think that's something that that listeners need to understand, that you may not have had the best father or mother in the world, but uh, often they did the best that they could at the time with what they had. And I think we need to allow grace in that area. Well, doing the best we can. Sometimes, though, we'll not take up the challenge of doing our best and hope that things work out in the end. Uh, hope is a good and powerful word, but when it comes to parenting, some action is required there, and those sorts of routines you were talking about a little earlier, uh, those are the sorts of things starting young will create those opportunities for faith, maturity for the future. Let me just talk about this for a moment, because if we're talking about faith, Scott, it's not just how you behave in a certain way when you're on display. I know you've got a favourite saying about the kingdom of God, not just a lot of talk, but living by God's power. This is the big dimension here that I suspect is important for Christian parenting and the thought of raising up young disciples as young men. Hey, absolutely. Look, I, I, uh, I'm still a very strong believer in the Word and the Spirit. And so, you know, very much... Uh, you know, uh, came to Christ at 17 in a Baptist church. I uh, was taught very strongly around the Word of God, which I'm so thankful for. 
uh, found my way into a Pentecostal-style church later on in years, uh, but still carry that incredible hunger for the Word, but equally now also an experience. And so with my children, I wanted them to have that, to have both the Word and the Spirit. And um, I can share some of those practicalities if, if you would like that, just around some of the things that I did do with my sons to to allow them to develop into their specific calling. And I think that's really important when you have numbers of children. There, there is a specific uh, personality and gift mix in each one of them. So, uh, yeah, definitely part of my passion. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision Christian Radio. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. You might want to join in our conversation. We're talking about boys, raising boys to be disciples of Christ. Our special guest is Pastor Scott Hansey. He's the lead pastor at Awaken Church in Wollongong and Canberra. Scott, you've raised four boys uh, to manhood. Uh, Give us some insight here into the ways that You've identified getting to know your boys and your boys knowing that they know you and your dad and you're interested in their future. What have you done in a practical sense? Well, I think I realised early on, Neil, that, you know, having four particularly, uh, they're all different and they're unique and any parent would know that. And I I wanted to really identify that uniqueness. I didn't want a a cookie-cutting exercise with each one of them turning into the pastor's kid that has to wear a certain button-up and slacks and et cetera. But, you know, they needed to be who they were and find their identity and then, you know, develop their relationship with Christ. So... Uh, basically, I just I worked with my wife and we sort of identified what they loved and what they didn't and were they loud, were they soft, were they, you know, um, sensitive, all those type of things. And once a month, basically, I would spend one-on-one time. It was called Dad's Special Time. And uh, I would just take them out and whatever they chose to do for the um, and in that, I would just integrate some spirituality and I would just talk to them. You know, we'd just have conversation going from place to place and talk about, you know, what God's saying or doing or how you're feeling or what do you think this means in the Bible. And uh, and that was developed right from, I would say, five years of age. We sort of started that process. And, uh, yeah, and so that, that continues even to this day, if I'm honest with you. Even my oldest is now 28 and we still... Uh, we still have those day or conversations, so it's, it's great. So you're age-appropriate. If your children are just at uh, children's church Sunday school age and they're coming home with a scripture verse that they've just learned, uh, you're going to be basing your conversations around the things, identifying where they're, they're at and, uh, and connecting your own thoughts with their thoughts. I imagine that's a an age-appropriate thing that goes right into their teenage years when they're in a youth group or when they're in church life and there's things happening and even stuff that goes bad and goes wrong. All of these are opportunities for spiritual conversations. Absolutely. And I, look, I, people would say to me often, why is it that you can get your boys to talk to you? <laughs> it was uh, the boys particularly, as we know, uh, you know, often are uh, explained as like whales talking to each other, you know, just grunts and groans. But... Um, you know, I think if you develop that from an early age, from the, the Sunday school type age, and you get down to their world, their level, um, you know, it might be a trip to the park and on the way there 
or in the car, oh, you know, what did you learn? What, what verses did you talk about in the Bible? You know, whatever. Uh, prayer is a big one, just praying simple prayers over just things that's happening in their world at that time. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a part of, of our everyday. And it, uh, so by the time they ended into adolescence, um, we just had a, an open relationship. There was no conversation that was uh, off off off. Uh, topic we could go into anything they were very open with me but let us let me say this to to those listening it is important as a father particularly that you come with grace and I, I found that I needed to make those boys aware that if they were to share something that may have been disappointing or shameful or any of those things uh, that they weren't going to be judged by me and I think that was very important If you're not a spiritual giant, and some people will say, well, we're listening to someone who's a pastor, and uh, surely a pastor can have great deep spiritual conversations. But I suspect what I'm hearing from you is like you grow in that spirituality with your child. So this is not something that's beyond any parent to have these spiritual conversations because you can grow as your child grows. Oh, absolutely. Look, Neil, I am far from a deep... uh deep theologians sometimes I listen to guys and they I think God gets confused with how deep they go so um, you know I just have always kept things very simple and uh, tried to well one, someone once said to me if you can't preach to a group of Sunday school children anything from the Bible and they understand it then you need to relearn how to preach and I really believe that I believe we need to identify what age they are what they can comprehend and, and be able to come at that, that level and uh and we've attempted to do that. Scott, let's take a call from, from some listeners, and uh, that can direct where our conversation goes. Wendy is in Logan in Queensland. Hi, Wendy. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. And, um, yeah, I just want to say that there's a, a wonderful man at our church that has four um, sort of late teen, probably early 20 sons, and I just respect him so much because these guys, you know, they love the Lord or they're on their journey. and But he has always, um, you know, opened that communication. But he, what he's got to do too as they're growing up is made sure that they, he's a very good cook and his wife's a good cook. So they would have all their son's friends over after school and cook for them, you know, and have really great things. So basically they were checking out their friends, which I think is so important. And I I just think perhaps today that some people find it, even when they're in primary school, lower primary, when there's some friends that I'm I'm really not quite, you know, yeah, there's problems, uh, that they don't feel they have the right or whatever to step in. And one I'm thinking of is where a little girl, and I know it's a girl, but it could be just as easily a boy, and that has has been having problems with this very controlling, very domineering girl who's got some very ideas that aren't uh, leading this little girl on the right path. And this has been, she's been in her class for a number of years. The mother didn't even think to go to the teacher and say, look, I would prefer that girl not be in that class. Wendy, what you're describing is the thought that as a parent, you need to have some level of control, even over how your children make friends. That's something we might do as parents as well. Wendy, let's get a thought or two from Scott Hansey. Scott, uh, your thoughts for Wendy on uh, this hospitality, uh, cooking for the kids who come over uh, at your house and bringing their friends. What are your thoughts for Wendy? 
Yeah, Wendy, well, I think that sounds a great idea. Look, I think the whole idea of being a shepherd, and I think that's what we need to understand as parents, um, you know, I see myself as a shepherd of my family and therefore, you know, to protect my sheep in the sense of, you know, what I allow or what, what, what gates I open are permissible. And I need to be very aware of that and one day responsible before God as to how how I manage that, right from friendships to television to movies to music to without becoming legalistic. But, you know, I, I do take that quite seriously. And I think uh, as as the shepherd of the home, whether uh, as a father or mother, single mother, uh, we need to be very careful what gates we open and allow influence into our children's lives. Wendy, wonderful insight. Thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Peter is in Mount Barker in Western Australia. Hi, Peter. Welcome. Hello. Um, just a, a personal observation as a grandparent. Um, in this workaday world, parents don't necessarily have to be single, um, particularly if the wife has chosen to raise her children and not to work and um, live with in their means, um, most wives are looking after the kids from around 6.30 in the morning till often 5 o'clock at night, sometimes later, and, and they, they must feel sometimes like they're single parents, and, and I just want to take my hat off to them, and we need to pay for these, these women that are doing that because, you know, her husband is great and he comes home around, around 5, but his maximum input um, could be two hours if he spent it till the time they went to bed, you know. So, so yeah, single, single Peter, parents, well, good there's, insight there's ones too that are single. Because that's right, it's not just single parents, uh, single mothers who might lack a male role model, but there are some men who are caught up in their... Uh, work experience uh, so significantly they don't feel they have time for their kids. Scott, your thoughts for Peter? Peter, yeah, look, I totally agree. And uh, in all honesty, my wife didn't work in those early years. And uh, so I would come home from ministry and uh, had been peopled out, uh, to be honest, and would love to have just sat on the lounge and turned on the TV and just zoned out. But realise that my contribution was crucial in that two-hour, three-hour period, as you mentioned, to to really build that relationship. And I think a lot of men don't do that. They come home and just completely zone out and uh, and then later on in, in years wonder why their kids don't want to talk to them or be a part of their world. So you're absolutely right. And to, to men, when you're home, you're home. And you need to be uh, really getting and building a relationship with your kids. Thank you, Peter, for your call, 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation, you might have your own question, a comment, an insight around raising boys to be mature disciples of Christ. Hey, things are pretty tough these days, and some might even say, well, you've raised your boys, Scott, and they're already young men. It seems to be that even in the last decade or two, things have gotten even harder for boys. Uh, Now, let's just get into the deep end here. Uh, Our kids who are exposed to pornography at ages so young these days, uh, we'd be absolutely staggered. And even if we've got some level of control over that, the sorts of things that happen in the school grounds, all sorts of addictive behaviours have come to light. When you're talking through those sorts of issues with your boys as a dad, I wonder if you've got some insights here, Scott. 
Well, firstly, Neil, thank you for raising it. And I think that part of the problem is the church has been fearful to talk about these sort of issues, which hasn't helped. And uh, what causes, what happens then is obviously things are kept in the dark and, and uh, a whole lot of shame and guilt. Um, and I think we need to get a whole lot better at that around not only boys, but also men within our churches, uh, which I think is a big issue. So uh, my own sons, look, again, it's about relationship. It's about honesty. It's about openness. And so that was created early on. And, and again, I cannot emphasize strongly enough that when your boys come to you, particularly as the father, if that's the situation, uh, and begin to open up and confess something, that they are not struck with guilt or, or shame or reaction from you. And uh, one of my sons in particular is very open about his battle with pornography in his adolescence. And uh, and yet we had communication throughout that entire process. You know, he hit some things and I found things and all that sort of thing. But but I never came at him with judgment or, or guilt or shame because I realized that wasn't the right way. The right way was to keep that communication line open. So that's my encouragement. I think if you can keep it, you know, a conversation and, and accountability, which I'm happy to talk about, but accountability, I think, is a really important thing too without that, that guilt. Accountability without guilt. Hey, let's just deepen this again. Our children and often our boys are susceptible today to all sorts of other influences that are coming from the playground at school. The influences that are coming through the media and the social media that they are consuming. And I know that there is a rise of what we understand around gender issues, gender dysphoria. And your children who are going through that process of trying to work out who they are, their identity And uh, we have some extra dimensions in our identity that we talk about in Christ. But when you've got kids going through this sort of issue, you're pastoring two significant churches. No doubt there's some of these things come to light from time to time, Scott. Absolutely. And look, it's a real issue. And I think, again, the church can't ignore it. And I think we need to be able to openly talk about that. Uh, our children are being exposed, you know, uh, particularly in the public system at a very early age education-wise to all of these theories and concepts and, 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 and areas and so, you know, which is often adding more confusion. And so if there's not communication from uh, either father or mother around these things in a, in a gentle, non-judgmental way, then I think they're only hearing one side of, of what could be uh, not the, the the whole truth is according to the word. So, uh, look, yes, I I'm dealing with this regularly in both congregations. Um, people walking through these journeys with their own children, and uh, you know, it's a difficult one. And uh, there's not one one process, and that's probably the difficulty is there isn't one pathway, and you can't look up the book of gender in in the New Testament. And, uh, and find the answers to these things. It takes great wisdom from God and the leading of the Spirit, but also just genuine grace, and I think that's important. And getting even harder too, because now in some states uh, there are legalities even around how a parent shares these issues of sexuality with their children. Hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Kevin is in Armadale in New South Wales. Hi, Kevin. Welcome. G'day, how you going, guys? Well, Kevin, what are your thoughts? Great. 
Um, yeah, my uh, my mum and dad are, um, are a very strong Christian couple and uh, they've brought us up in the way of the Lord. Um, but one of the things that I was told when I was younger, if you want your kids to grow up with emotional security, you've got to show that you're able to hug, um, you know, sort of, sort of support and, and do all that sort of stuff. Um, so I learned well from my dad, I think, and I pass that on to my son, who's now 30. He's, um, he's married. They're on their first child in six months' time. And he's treating his wife the same way as I treated my wife and the same way as my dad treated my mum. Kevin, great thoughts here. Uh, response from you, Scott? Well, that sounds biblical, Kevin, to me. Uh, it sounds as though that was God's intention, was that whole modelling process. Uh, obviously, the enemy, the devil's tried to come in and bring division and all sorts of things into our into our family and in our communities. And uh, thank God, Kevin, that you had that opportunity. And you're right. I think uh, physical touch uh, was something that uh, is was was lacking in generations before. And thank God, it is coming coming back in in a stronger way. And I think we all need that. And boys, particularly, you know, I found early on my sons needed hugs, and then it went from hugs to wrestling. Um, and I remember that that transition, you know, at about twelve or thirteen, that adolescent age, where next thing you know, we're on we're on the bed wrestling and carrying on, and my wife telling me not to break the furniture, and um, you know that that sort of stuff. But realizing that that was an expression of emotion and um, and fun, and so uh, you're absolutely right. And congratulations! It sounds like you've done a great job, and your father done a great job. Great insights. Thanks for sharing your story, Kevin. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Hey, let's just not move on from hugs and appropriate displays of affection here because for a lot of people, Scott, they don't know what is appropriate. Uh, some people yeah. might be sort of saying, uh, you know, well, I've got a, uh, you know, say, talking about men, uh, I have a wife. Uh, what sort of uh, display of affection is appropriate? Uh, what sort of display of affection is appropriate to my boys, uh, to my girls? Uh, we can include everyone he here, but uh, there's a certain sense in which sometimes we need to learn the behaviour of how we're actually s displaying our affection. Yeah, absolutely right. Look, I think, <clears throat> sadly, I think... Uh our world has almost pendulum swung to so much legalities and politically correctness that uh, we've almost, you know, it's almost ruling out any, any, you know, or a fear of affection. Uh, we all crave it. There's no doubt about that. It's all part of our makeup. Physical touch uh, is, is important. I think, again, it comes down to the individual child. If we're going to talk about our children, uh, our, for instance, one of our children, uh, you know, he, he didn't necessarily need that as much. He, he wasn't geared that way. And therefore, we, we didn't cross that boundary and didn't feel the need to. There was others that just loved that and needed that security. So, again, I think it's it's reading the child. It's reading the, the situation and, uh, and you know, putting, putting appropriate boundaries around that and even communicating that with them when the age is appropriate to say, how do you feel when, when Dad does give you a hug, or when you know what? What do you enjoy in, in that physical touch uh, in that area? 
So there's a wrestling style of affection that you might show with your boys. And uh, I have a story or two to tell about uh, a friend who uh, took that a little further and uh, actually uh, broke some bones in some wrestling. So when his boys got <laughs> when his boys got big enough, uh, decided that that was not necessarily a great idea. Hey, uh, let's talk a moment here because sometimes uh, we think that with boys the authoritarian approach is something that works best. I wonder if we were talking humility as a parent, whether you are a father or a mother here, the sorts of humility uh, that needs to be on display to our own children, even admitting our own mistakes. Any thoughts here around the relational way that we as parents approach our children, especially as they begin to get into those teenage years and approaching adulthood? Absolutely, and I think this is where humility uh, comes into play and biblical humility. And as a parent, you know, uh, just because I'm a pastor doesn't make perfection, I can tell you that for sure. And uh, there were numbers of occasions where I would either sit with one of my sons individually or or together and say, look, Dad's made a mistake here or uh, said something that was wrong or, you know, uh, whatever, treated Mum in a certain way or said something to Mum that was inappropriate due to, situation so I think that that's a a really important thing is that whole uh, area of humility and um, and being open in that in that regard so uh, totally agree with that and when you've made a mistake how do you approach that with your boys Uh, the boys have a special way of expectation about uh, what happens when people make mistakes and how do you model the right behaviors there well, I just can think of one example. I'm, I was quite strong in the early years of what my kids watched uh, as far as television and movies. And so uh, what, what I often tell parents is that, you know, part of your responsibility is the, the eye gates and the ear gates to uh, to your your kids' well-being, spiritual well-being, what goes in. And uh, so we would, as parents, watch over that and uh, often was uh, probably, you know, extreme in some measures. But looking back now, you know, I'm not uh, upset about that. I think it was important. Uh, but there was one occasion where one of my sons asked to go to a particular movie with his friends and I was uh, consumed with something else and just said yes to this this movie, which was totally inappropriate. Uh, he came back and actually confessed to me that he was quite nervous because I'd allowed him to do that. It was almost like his security or dad's leadership uh, was lacking, and it was quite an interesting thing. So I then just sat with him and just confessed and apologised and said, you know, I really shouldn't have allowed that, and uh, I've learned from that mistake, and I hope you forgive me. And we would just uh, pray together and um, and, and hug because he was one of those sort of kids. So... Um, yeah, I think it's just that complete honesty and, and you don't have to be Superman. You know, I think that's important. Fathers need to realise kids don't need Superman, they need real men. Time's running out. I wish we had a whole lot more time. But let me ask you about something that is intensely important and I know will be on the agenda when the Men's Leadership Summit is on at the end of this month. And for those listeners, certainly around Sydney or the Illawarra uh, are able to go along to that leadership summit that's coming up 
Uh, it's the Leadership Summit, 26th to the 28th of August. Men's Leadership Summit, uh, Stanwell Tops Conference Centre. You're one of the speakers. There's some other great speakers on the bill as well. Boxing champion Gavin Top will also be there, as well as Fathering Adventures founder Darren Lewis. And I know that one of the issues that will come to the fore will be this thought of a rite of passage. And sometimes when we talk about that, we're talking about when our children grow into those teenage years, there's some point where we might identify that they're no longer children anymore and that they are now adults. Those boys are young men. And sometimes we talk about a rite of passage, something that actually affirms that young person as an adult and not a child any longer. Any thoughts here from you or any of your own experience that has really affirmed your boys into a young manhood? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's interesting. This is something that the Lord really gave to me. Uh, wasn't practiced in my upbringing, but just something that as they started to enter that, that adolescence age, I thought, how am I going to approach this and openly talk about some of the the sexual issues and those type of things. And so I call it Dad's Special uh, Night Away. And so each of them were able to choose a uh, hotel anywhere in the area, um, didn't matter where it was. Uh, we would, I would take them one-on-one away. We would have the overnight together, a meal together. Uh, it was a very special time, a movie. Uh, but we would sit down during that, that overnight and I would start to talk about some of these issues, uh, sex, related issues, their own body, the changes, um, some of the temptations, um, masturbation, pornography, all these type of issues. And uh, and from that, we're then able to say, now we've had this discussion, you're now able to talk openly with Dad going forward because we've had, this. and that each of them to this day will talk about that special night uh, with Dad, it's still part of our family. So I consider that really a turning point and rite of passage for my boys, and it was a great influence. Wonderful stuff, and there'll be lots that will be delivered at that Men's Leadership Summit. Pastor Scott Hansey, who's the lead pastor at Awaken Church in Wollongong and in Canberra, he's one of the speakers. Boxing champion Gavin Top also on the bill, as is Fathering Adventures founder uh, Darren Lewis. Now, this is coming up and uh, the 26th to the 28th of August. I think it's not too late to register for that. And this is something, Scott, I imagine is not just for fathers or parents to be there at a men's leadership summit this is something for fathers and sons or for for the boys to be there as much of being a part of this manhood experience uh, that's that's something that's uh, so important isn't it absolutely i'm just laughing because i'm thinking the two other guys that are on the, on the bill are uh, these incredible sports adventurous people, and I look like the nerdy guy. So uh, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I was just having I was just having a chuckle to myself, thinking I better better get into shape before we get there. Um, but uh, you're absolutely right, and I think um, you know if you're a particularly uh, you know young adult, um, you know who's looking one day to to be married and be a father, I think why 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 wait learn those keys why not get them in now and be prepared beforehand so uh, definitely would encourage any young adults to uh, to come along and be a part of it 
Love your humility, Scott Hansey, and uh, I've known you long enough to be able to say you might be the nerdy guy amongst the sporting adventurers, but uh, you are one of the most outstanding communicators uh, that any listener will ever hear. Pastor Scott Hansey, and uh, let me point listeners to how you can be a part of that leadership summit. No doubt there'll be all sorts of things that will be spin-offs from this. There'll be all sorts of courses that people will be able to connect with. Uh, There'll be resources that will be available from this summit. You can connect. Uh, The people at Dads for Kids are organising this leadership summit. Dadsforkids.org.au. Now that's dads, the number four kids.org.au you go to that website there are events in the drop down menu and the link to the men's leadership summit 22 and those other speakers Gavin Top as well as Darren Lewis Uh, Scott Hansey thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020 no thank you and thank you for opening up this conversation Neil I really appreciate it I think it's very much needed within our not only community, but in our church community. It's time to be open and real. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.